hello there. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast. I'm Samantha, and this is my co-host, Indy. Hello, everyone. How are you, Indy? I am super tired and my foot's bleeding. How about you? (laughs) Neither of those sound good. No, they're not. Should we be podcasting right now or should we be taking you to the hospital? (laughs) Well, I don't have to run during this podcast, so I think we're all right. You think we'll be okay? I think so. Perfect. Um, I am also super tired, but uh, my foot is not bleeding, so I think I'm doing a little better than you. Yeah. Yeah. So on this podcast, we talk about things that we like and one of the things that we talk about on the pre-episode is our pick of the week so indy do you have a pick of the week this week i do i know on this podcast i often talk about how terrible netflix is and how (laughs) they put out a hundred movies and have like two good ones these days because they're just going for quantity over quality christmas prince and christmas prince royal wedding those are the two good ones yeah yeah, let's say those ones. I haven't, I haven't seen the Christmas Prince movies. Maybe you can bring it next Christmas. Uh, I don't think I love them enough to like make you watch them. That hasn't stopped you a whole lot. <laughs> there are a lot of really bad Netflix movies, even more mediocre ones. But there are a few good ones as well. And one that I watched recently is called Dolomite Is My Name. Oh. Are you familiar with this at all? I'm not. Are you familiar with Dolomite? No. Are you familiar with black exploitation films? No. Are you familiar with exploitation films of the 70s? No. Are you familiar with movies? Yes. Okay, so we got that covered. Talking pictures. <laughs> let's uh, let's go back. Let's do a little little history lesson on our way to talking about this current Netflix movie. I feel like there should be like a magical back in time sound right now. Normally I'd be all over it, but I'm real behind in editing, so there will not be. <laughs> there will not be. So just imagine a back in time <laughs> sound. Whatever that sounds like to you. There it was. So in the 70s, the 60s as well, there were these things called exploitation films, and they were kind of what you would think. Uh, there's a lot of sex and violence, and they're kind of like the pulp cinema. Oh, okay. And then the black exploitation films started coming out probably right in 1971. And so these are movies like uh, like Shaft and Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Those are both from 70 or 71. Okay. And badass is also spelled B-A-A-D-A-S-S-S-S-S, I think. (laughs) Okay, so lots of words in that title. Also lots of S's in that title. So they were like the other exploitation films that were, there's a lot of violence, your heroes are not always the most heroic or noble people, but the difference on these ones is that they were made predominantly for the African-American audience. Okay. And they're also made by black people a lot of the time. So in those other movies, anytime you would get a black character, it would be a sidekick or, and often stereotypical. And in the black exploitation films, they did rely on these stereotypes a lot too. Like most of the characters would be like, there's a lot of pimps, a lot of heroic pimps. <laughs> heroic and like heroic pimps. in quotes, because they're usually not great guys, but you're, you're rooting for them oh. either way. And although you can criticize a lot of these movies as being like, really simple and relying on those stereotypes. It is an uh, art that was made by the people it was for. So it seemed less exploited at that Right. Point. So it's like not like a white person coming in and making a film about a black pimp. Yeah. It's it's a black company a lot of the times because a lot of these were independent films right. and were made by people who hadn't been making movies. The stars were people who hadn't been acting a lot in the past. 
So it was uh, like real guerrilla filmmaking, and it took off because it's a largely unrepresented group on film. Huh. And that's, you could say the same today, really. There's, True. Anytime now, like, you get a cast of all black people, it does really well, and, and people are like, yeah, we should do this more often. Like, yeah, you should. <laughs> like, representation matters. And then sometimes you get movies. Um, the same, like I said, about Crazy Rich Asians, where everyone's like, yeah, it's so awesome to see Asian I was people. just about to mention that, Which actually. Which is great, but then, because there's so few of them, there's not a lot of great ones. Right. And mediocre movies, like, oh, I think Crazy Rich Asians is a good movie. Yeah. But it's not, like, the greatest. No. But it does really well, because that's an audience that is starved for some sort of representation on right. screen. And that's what was happening with these uh, black exploitation movies. So even though a lot of them, not the greatest movies, low budget, but they really struck a nerve with uh, with the audience and they started doing real well. Hmm. They even started doing kind of like subgenres. So there would be horror exploitation. Oh. There's a movie called Blackula. Blackula is probably the most famous one. I think I might have heard of that, like, just mentioned. Blackula actually holds up. It's it's a good movie. It's a good movie? I've seen Blackula in the last two years. And is I that think what we're watching? Good. No. Oh, although. Maybe next Halloween. Okay. Um, True. That is kind of a time of year film. There were even some like Western types. There were martial arts ones. Black Belt Jones is my favorite. Black Belt Jones is such a good movie. It's Jim Kelly, who some of you probably out there know. (laughs) Um, Superfly was another big one. Coffee, like those Pam Greer ones, Foxy Brown. That's kind of the, uh, the world that made the movie Dolomite. Okay. So Dolomite is a movie of that time, and the movie I'm actually talking about, My Name is Dolomite, is about the making of that movie. You do love a documentary about a movie. This is not a documentary. Oh. It stars Eddie Murphy. Okay. And who's had, like, a great comeback with this one. He's he's very good in it, I think. Uh, he plays Rudy Ray Moore, who's the lead and is Dolomite himself. Okay. So he, at the time this movie starts, Rudy Ray Moore is a uh, struggling artist. He works at a record store. He's a singer. He's a comedian. He's an MC. He's just trying to get something going. And a lot of people on the street, and it's like actual homeless people, often have this story of kind of like a, almost somewhere between a folk hero and an urban legend of a character called Dolomite. And it's not like any one person. It's just kind of a legend that everyone talks about. Yeah. And this is where uh, toasting comes in. Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. He, Dolomite is Robin. Okay. Actually, that's not that far off, really. (laughs) Uh, Do you know about toasting? No. So toasting is where rap kind of came from. Toasting is, uh, they would say like rhymes. They'd tell a story, but it would be in a few rhymes. Right. And he heard all of these toasts about Dolomite, and then he started performing them. And he started becoming this character. So he would dress like a pimp and go on stage. He wore a wig and did this comedy act about this character called Dolomite, but it was often done in rhymes. And this is where you can trace back uh, hip-hop, too. Oh. But that's uh, that's another thing. We're learning so much today. Yeah, we're going on a real journey here. <laughs> but then he, this character he does is so popular in the stand-up scene, then he does a record. It does crazy well. It's very vulgar. And radio stations can't play it, but he's selling them like crazy. So then he's like, well, this is going so well, I want to make a movie. He doesn't act, he doesn't write, he doesn't direct, <laughs> but he does it. And the story of how this is made, it's, it's great. It's funny to say that this is a feel-good movie, but it really is. Oh. And Rudy Ray Moore is like a good guy that's looking out for, for the little man. And it's kind of 
takes on what those black exploitation movies were often about. It's about the small community who's often devalued, like taken on the man. And that's what they do by making this movie and how it comes about and the surprise success of it. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Oh. And especially if you've ever worked in low budget film, like watching these guys who are not actors, who are not directors, and they get like film students, they get just people on the street, whoever, to be in and make this movie. Oh, that's cool. And they end up just renting out or maybe illegally squatting in a decrepit hotel and they just <laughs> all shoot it in there. They steal the electricity and he has to like go into debt. But it's just a real fun story about how this movie was made and just America at that time. Interesting. So it's called uh, My Name is Dolomite, available on Netflix. Also, Wesley Snipes is in it, who oh. I haven't seen in a long time. And he is very good. Where he has a small he go? Role. Prison? Oh. Did he go to prison for tax stuff? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't want to want to uh, slander Wesley Snipes, but I feel like he was in prison. And it's very well received. It's, I think, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 8 out of 10 on IMDb. So check it out. It'll probably teach you a bunch of things if you're not familiar with it. And if you are familiar with that subgenre, you're really going to love it. Yes, it was tax stuff. Oh. He spent two years, I think, in jail? Crazy. And it's funny because as a kid, I was really into black exploitation cinema. In fact, one of the movies I made when I was about 14, we made this like epic movie where I played a, a heroic pimp called Super Pimp. Super Pimp. And he spelled S U P A. Yep. Nice. Super Pimp. And the bad guy was that bad cat. That bad cat. Yeah. Oh. He was this bad cat. And he was trying to steal the world's funk supply. Did Galen play that character? Yes, he did. <laughs> and this was later ripped off by Austin Powers. We did it first. His mojo gets stolen. My funk got stolen. It was a little close. So what you're saying is you wrote Austin Powers at the age of 14? Yep. Cool. I believe that. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a fun little trip of history. What I, is your pick of the week? I feel so learned now. Good. Um, My pick of the week is actually not really a pick and more the absence of picks. Ooh. Um, so we have now completed all the Bring It On movies I'm going to make you watch, mostly because I went back and watched them again. And while I do enjoy the series and the whole theme and the idea of the Bring It On like series, I just don't think that I can stand behind the four movies that we haven't watched. Wow. Before I get into any sort of gloating, I'm going to take it a few steps back. When we first started this podcast, you said that you had your first six movies all picked out and they were all just going to be Bring It On. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I that. had to really convince you not to do Bring It On for six in a row because then people would just think it's a Bring It On podcast. True. And then you said, okay, I'll spread them out. But now you're kind of walking it back. So you, am, they don't hold up, huh? No, I. there's a lot of things that I don't really like. They're not offensive, mostly. Like, mostly not offensive, but I... Mostly really... not offensive is not a glowing review. I know, I know. I'm trying to think of a way to say it that's, like, still nice. Um, are, I... are you trying to say that if I watched them, I would tear them apart? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I watched them the other day, and I don't enjoy the way they're just, like, subtly racist and also very us versus them and i just don't i don't think i can stand behind a movie that like it's like the white cheerleaders versus the black cheerleaders and like 
the rich white cheerleaders and the poor black cheerleaders from the ghetto. And it just like it doesn't sit right with me right now. See, if the poor black cheerleaders end up winning and taking them out, that would probably be a black exploitation movie because it's about taking down the man. Well, that was like the first one. Oh, before we go back to the first one, is it more that you don't want to bother arguing with me on these ones? No. Or that I think in I've... our arguments over the last while, you maybe see them a little differently? I think I'm reevaluating them a little bit differently. I think I was a lot younger. Um... You loved one of them, which you watched while we were doing this podcast. It wasn't that long ago. It was within, it was in the last year or so when Cheer Smack came out and you said this one's really good cheers Matt came out about two years ago yeah yeah i watched it again not that great the cheerleading in it fantastic but Um, everything else but yeah the storyline really doesn't like do itself any favors so no more bring it on movies that's kind of sad i was really getting into that last one i actually had a lot of fun maybe not watching it but talking about it yeah yeah, and, you know, they'll always have, like, a very special place in my heart because Bring It On is what brought me to cheerleading, which is now, like, a big part of my life. So I'm, like, happy that I saw all of them, and I do really like the whole franchise, but I just can't say that I love every single one of the movies. I think I'm also, like, watching films differently now. You've Since we started me. this? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I'm a little more critical and I'm a little bit more, um, like, attentive on how I'm assessing things. Hmm. So. But you still think Holiday in the Wild was good? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a year. So you like it <laughs> but now let's, I want to go back to the first one. Okay. A good movie. Great movie. When we were talking about it, you kept referring to The Clovers who are the inner-city Latina black team as the villains and the rich white team as the heroes. And I was like, no, that's not this movie. And you're like, yeah, it is. Do you still feel that way now? No, I don't. Wow. (laughs) I don't. You've really come around. I have. This this podcast, 34, 35 episodes of this podcast. I think you're ready to watch Dolomite now. (laughs) I've grown as a movie watcher. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so proud. Aww. So sure. let's just think, like, if we did this to every person, how good movies would be. Right? If everyone was like, no, I expect more from my movies. It's true. Yeah. Movies would have to get better just because no one would see mediocre ones. Yeah. Oh, See, this is why we need to become, like, a huge hit podcast because mm-hmm. we'll slowly change the tides of movie making forever. That, that's all I wanted. It's just a small thing. <laughs> yeah. Why can't we do that? Yeah. So there you go. No more Bring It On. I encourage you all to go watch them all. But uh, just know that they don't all have my stamp of approval. Maybe one day we can do a special episode where we just go through all of them real quick. Yeah. <laughs> because I am curious to see the other ones after I've seen the two that I have. So you think one, of course, is the best. Yes. And four. For Let's Get Going. What's it In called? It to Win In It. In It to Win Let's It. Let's Get Going. <laughs> In It to Win It is also good, you think? Yes. And that's it. And the rest are fine. They're fine. Yeah. All right. I wanted to watch the one that had Rihanna in it. You said it. Oh, I could barely sit through that one. <laughs> I could barely sit through it. Um, I, yeah, I watched them the other day and I rewinded or I fast forwarded through like a whole bunch of the last two bring it ons. So, and I didn't even bother trying to watch the second one. 
There you go. Indy, you're free from bring it ons. For now. For now. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to hear what our movie is this week. Oh yeah, we haven't even done that. We haven't even done the movie yet. So I plan out my movies very strategically. You do. I really like that everything is supposed to be kind of a learning thing to build on for the next one. Mm -hmm. And I try to mix them up so we don't get too much of the same sort of thing together. So I thought it would be great because I haven't really done much foreign language one because we did Totoro, but Mm -hmm. we watched it with... The dub. And my plan now was to do Chungking Express because that's one of my top 10 favorite movies ever. Right. It's a Wong Kar Wai movie. It not only would be a good foreign language one to watch because it's still light and fun and romantic, so it would be pretty accessible, but it also introduces a lot of like kind of art house things. Right. But I'm realizing now that not everyone has access to that movie. Oh, well, that's an important thing. Yeah, so I, of course, own it, but I don't think a lot of people out there do. However, there is going to be a 4K Blu-ray coming out sometime this year. So once that comes out, libraries are going to get it. You can find it in a store. True. And when that happens, we'll do maybe go like back-to-back one car-wise because... Okay. He's one of my very favorite living directors. He's well then. fantastic. But we're going to have to skip it for this week. Okay. Well, so I needed a last minute fill in. What are we watching? I'm going to tell you a little bit about this movie and see if you can guess what it is. Okay. So our main character is a young girl. Not quite a woman yet. Oh. What's that song that you... I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. That's her. Britney Spears. She's in a new place in her life, and she's really not content with how her life is now. But then she finds out there's maybe a little something more to her and to the world around her. So she goes out on a mystical journey, and there's fantastic creatures, and she learns a bit about herself. And her name is Princess Moana. Oh, are we watching Moana? No! (laughs) (laughs) It also takes place... In the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War, there is a little bit of really brutal violence. There is some things that are kind of scary, and it's in Spanish. We are watching Pan's Labyrinth. Dun, dun, dun. It sounds very dark um, and a little bit uh, a little bit exciting and interesting. So what do you know about this movie? I know there's like a creepy creature, and it looks really fantastical. But other than that, not a whole lot. So it's from 2006, and it's by Guillermo del Toro. Right, who, I knew that too. <laughs> who is uh, Mexican, but this is mostly a Spanish production. It takes place in Spain. Oh, in Spain, okay. Many years ago, he had made this movie called The Devil's Backbone, which I thought was just amazing. And it's grounded in the reality of the Spanish Civil War, but then it has this kind of background of a horror story. Like, there's also ghosts going on in this. Oh. So it's a really interesting juxtaposition of... The fantasy and the reality. The horror of the war with the horror of the ghosts. Right. And Pan's Labyrinth was the next movie he did after that, I think. The next one I saw for sure. And I was super excited because I had seen Devil's Backbone. And Pan's Labyrinth does the same thing in a really interesting way. So it does have a bit of that fantasy element that you're talking about. It might be a lot less than you think. Because it is definitely in the trailers and the posters and that. I think that's what I've seen Mm -hmm. is like the trailers and the poster. I remember I can 
pretty sure I'm envisioning the right one, but I can remember what the front of the DVD looks like. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I'm thinking about the right movie, but I remember it being very, like, it looked like a fantasy movie. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And there is that element, but just like Devil's Backbone, it's grounded in the reality of post-Civil War Spain. Oh, okay. Do you know much about the Spanish Civil War? I do not. So it's one I don't know a whole lot about either. I get was it little in bits. Spain? It was. Oh. The sh- really short version from someone who doesn't know much about it is that there were, of course, two sides fighting. The fascist side ends up winning in, I want to say, 39? I should probably know this. <laughs> Let's say the late 30s. And they remain in power and it's often called the Franco years because it was... Um, James Franco. Yeah, James Franco was <laughs> was the president and dictator at the time. And until 75, so he lived a long time. And the only thing that we really need to know about it is the fascists are in power and there's rebels. Right, there usually are. Yeah. <laughs> They're usually the, the people that I'm going to agree with. And when True. you're fighting fascism, you're going to win me over pretty quick. True. But that is the background for this movie. I like that everything that you're introducing me to today has like a history lesson involved with it. <laughs> yeah, and we'll probably get more into that as well. Uh, so this one is in Spanish, so we're going to watch it subtitled. Okay. And Del Toro wrote the subtitles himself because after Devil's Backbone, he thought the translators did a terrible job oh, and they, were like, like really pointing well. things out too much. And he's like, well, losing all subtlety. There's like so, a nuance to it. Yeah, so he went and did it all by himself. I think the quote was, he said that those subtitles weren't for the hearing impaired, but rather the thinking impaired. (laughs) I like that. Sometimes subtitles are very strange. Yes. Like we watch things like, um, like movies and stuff that sometimes have subtitles, depending on where they're from. And, uh... Sometimes I get caught up reading the subtitles because they don't make any sense mm. with what we're actually like watching and words will be wrong and things will like it's I find that highly entertaining when the subtitles are either too correct or were clearly translated from another language into English. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that's not a sentence. <laughs> Where they just take the dialogue, feed it through a translator. Directly. Like, yeah. yeah. So like English translated to Spanish, translated back to English. You lose a lot of the, like, sense of the words. Are you familiar with Guillermo del Toro at all? I don't know that I've ever seen a movie he's done. So I think some of his most famous ones are, like, Hellboy. Oh, actually, Hellboy was between Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. So he did do something else. Hellboy is with a guy with his, like, big ram horns. Yeah. And he's red? Yes. Okay. I've seen it again. He's some sort of boy from hell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, He did Pacific Rim, which I didn't like, but there was a lot of good stuff that was kind of there. Pacific Rim. Big Giant Robots. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know that one. Uh, Crimson Peak. We ended up watching that, actually, and did not like it. the one in the house? Yes. Yes. I didn't care for that one. It was like a take on a melodramatic kind of set piece, period piece thing. And then it didn't really end up making... A whole lot of sense. And then he won a uh, Best Picture Oscar for The Shape of Water. Okay. Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't. So I think that one, he really wanted to make a Creature from the Black Lagoon movie, but there's something with the rights, and he ended up making this movie instead, which is pretty much the Creature from the Black Lagoon's (laughs) love story. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't love that as much as a lot of people, and I fear that 
maybe Del Toro's kind of going the way of a lot of directors who I loved, who I loved their early stuff, and now they're getting... Mainstream? Yeah, but I don't even know if... His stuff is still weird, but it's not weird in the way that I liked it used right. to be. Right. He's lost that, like, specialness. Maybe. But he... There's more coming out. But either way, I think Pan's Labyrinth is his best one, even better than Devil's Backbone. So maybe we should watch a little trailer. Sure, let's watch a trailer. So we just watched a trailer. There was no dialogue in it, but what did you think of that? Um, I think it looks really cool. Um, I definitely thought there was more like creature kind of things in it, mm-hmm. um, but it does look like it's also set in the real world. So that'll be neat to watch. Yeah, there definitely are some good creature ones, and that tends to be what everyone remembers because the makeup in this movie is just fantastic the main creature mm-hmm. um i remember seeing him it's the fawn the fawn okay mm-hmm. i just remember seeing like that was really popular when that came out i think yeah it's another movie i think i've done a few now that i said are pretty much fairy tales and this one is is like that but it's kind of more of an old school fairy tale the ones that were there's like a dark side to it like this is a fairy tale where you're scared of that wolf right, right? it's it's a dark movie. I think it might actually be rated R. Oh. Because there are some parts that are quite violent, so watch out for that. But it's also so few and far between, so maybe that's why it sticks out to me so much more. Right. it's not a movie with, like, fight scenes and people are getting shot all over the place. But sometimes there's a movie where one person hits one person once in the movie. And because it's just that one time, it sticks with you that much more and it's that much more impactful. Interesting. The little girl is also very cute. I I'm in... Looking forward to seeing a movie with her in it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we have anything more to say. Do you have anything else? No, I don't. Um, other than, can we watch it right now? Well, I can, but I feel like you'd fall asleep. <laughs> Probably. I so, think I need to be, like, a little more awake to do subtitles. If we were just watching a movie, I probably could, but to do subtitles and reading and stuff like that. Yeah, and for those of you out there, there are really good Blu-rays of this movie. And it's a really beautiful movie, so I definitely recommend, rather than watching on your laptop or your phone or whatever, you know, turn off the lights, put it on the biggest screen you have, and, uh, and check it out, because it's it's a really visually beautiful movie. Okay. It looks gorgeous. Like, that trailer alone just looks great. So, uh, yeah. And since you couldn't really hear the trailer, it's also on the show notes if you want to watch it there. Perfect. Okay, well, we're going to go plan a time to watch this movie and make sure that uh, the lights are off and we're all nice and cozy when we do. So we'll see you uh, next Monday when we talk about Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, check it out. Find it at your local library. (laughs) (laughs) I love the library pitch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this one, you can find it at the library. Yes.
So if you would like to give us your thoughts on Pan's Labyrinth or what you think it's about or once you've watched it, um, you can find us on all the social media or you can email us. Um, all of that information is uh, on every other episode ever. So <laughs> Just go find it. Just go find Follow it. Follow us on stuff and tell us your favorite black exploitation movie or your favorite Bring It On movie. It's true. I would like to hear that. I think Bring It On one. Is. Bring it on one is your favorite? Well, I think it's going to be everyone's favorite. I think so. And for favorite black exploitation, oh, I wonder. I bet Shaft. People love Shaft. Superfly? I don't know. Who knows? I don't have one yet. I have a feeling I'm going to very soon. Blackula. Blackula. I think there was a Blackenstein, too. Was there? Yeah. Oh, that seems so crazy. Yeah, Blackenstein. Okay. Well, we will see you next week and uh, enjoy watching this movie. Hail Blackenstein. <laughs> Goodbye.